Now I know that Christmas time is here, and the fun of it, fun, the fun of it is here, but the pressure of it has also arrived. You are running out of Amazon Prime days. If you haven't, that was a nervous laugh that we heard. That was like the deep laugh. The men are like, "Uh, it's true. So now's the time. Today, when you're leaving church, not right now, but later, make sure you order those gifts if you haven't because time, time is running out, all right? And there's so many things to do. And I know you've got a list of things to do. And our series that we have been on has been called Christmas Lists. And because we all have a list of things that we want to do in, in decorating the house, and we talked about making sure that we declare the message that the decorations carry, talked about buying presents, it's a good thing, but we also need to be present with our loved ones. And I know that one of the favorite things to do around the holidays that is on our list of to-dos is to go and see the Christmas lights. Yeah, it's so much fun. I mean, I can remember as a kid, like my, my family would be like, hey, we just heard on the radio because, you know, that's how it was back then. We heard on the radio that Santa's flying overhead. Everybody get in the car. We're going to go look at Christmas lights and go look for Santa in the sky. And as we were out, it would always just like magically happen that he would, he would have stopped by the house and like dropped presents off. But I can always remember like that ride around and going. And so in our house, we were going around and looking at some Christmas lights recently. I don't know if this has ever happened to any of you guys. And we're driving down the street. And one of the first houses on the street, one of my family members, the the guilty will go unnamed, pointed at the house and said, that house is my favorite decorated house in our street. Do you realize that we live on this street too? Do you realize that we decorated on this? Yeah, the men are like clapping. That's right. All right, make sure you take some consideration when you pick the favorite house on your street. Maybe one in the neighborhood could be better, but the street should belong to you. And and it it was a well-decorated house, but looking at the lights is fun. But the lights are supposed to be a symbol, a picture of a scriptural concept that is taught in Matthew 5. And that is that Jesus is the light of the world, and then we are supposed to be the light of the world. But that concept, I feel like it's kind of blurred. Okay, well, how are we the light of the world? What are the instructions that go along with this? Because if we're supposed to be the light, what does that look like? How do I live that out on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? How am I the light in my office place, in my family, at our family gatherings? How do I live that out? And today we're going to look at the, the very passage that calls us out and says, you are the light of the world. Not just Jesus, but Jesus and you. You are the light of the world. But I'm going to go ahead and give you like the, the, the really interesting part of my message. So when I say it again later, you need to act like, oh, that's really profound again. But I want you to be, be digesting this as we study the passage. And we're going to go through more scripture than I normally do on a Sunday morning message. And I recognize that, but I believe that this is all part of the context around the teaching that you're the light of the world that you need to get because you're familiar with the Beatitudes of Jesus. You've heard that term before. It's where Jesus had these short little sentences that were connected to each other, but they were profound and they were meaningful. But listen, the Beatitudes were all the setup for this concept that you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. 
The Beatitudes were the description of what it means to be salt, what it means to be light, how to live it out. The responses to the situations that you walk through, the description is the Beatitudes and the summary is when you do this, you will be the light of the world. You will be the hope of Christ in other people's eyes. And so we're gonna study this together in Matthew chapter five. If you have your Bible, you can open up and we're gonna start with verse three. And Jesus began teaching and he was teaching from a hillside to everyone. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. All right, breathe in. All right, it was a long passage. I know I lost some of you. Bring it back. We're gonna break it down together bit by bit because as we read that, it, it can almost feel like some of those teachings are disconnected from each other, but I want to bring you through so that you can see the common thread that runs through this dialogue and then ties it all together, starting with verse three that says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To, to summarize this in one word, it, it would be humility. The poor in spirit, we don't talk that way too often, but this is talking about Poverty of spirit standing in contrast to self-sufficiency. Poverty of spirit, recognizing there is nothing about me and how I've lived and what I've done that could ever earn God's favor. I can't be good enough. I've already done enough bad that I know that I can't catch up. And so I just, I rely upon God's grace. I rely upon his mercy. And I understand I don't have any any standing to look down at anybody else. I don't have the position to be judgmental of anyone else. That, that's the heartbeat of poor in spirit. And it starts off saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. And, and this is talking about a blessing, that it's a gift from God. It's also talking about kind of a heart set and attitude and emotion of being happy and fulfilled. That someone is in a good position emotionally and mentally if they are poor in spirit. And you've seen the contrast, like you've seen unhealthy, it, it, how unhealthy it can be when somebody is all uppity and high on themselves and they think that they have it all together and they think they can look down on other people and you can see how that just sours relationships. How they have to continue to front and put on a show around other people. 
And, and I hope you're encouraged by the fact that I usually let my mess hang out because it's just too big to try to hide. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm open about that. Like, you've been in, if you've been in my house, you've seen the mess extends beyond just the figurative. It gets into the literal. We have four kids. We try to hold it together, but it spills out. And, and I say that about me because I, I, I just want to encourage you to take that grace upon yourself of saying, I don't have to have it all together. The house does not have to be perfect. The situation does not have to be perfect. I can mess up. I lose my cool once in a while, but the thing that I come back to is that God's grace is sufficient. And so being poor in spirit, it starts there. And then what you get for being poor in spirit is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit is recognizing I don't deserve the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus says those who are humble, receive it. This is the description of what it means to be light. The next passage. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, I do believe that this rings true of when we go through loss, but when you're reading this in the context, as it follows the verse of being poor in spirit, it's describing the person who looks at their life and looks at their mistake, and the summary word would be repentant. The person who mourns over their sin, who looks at what they've done, and they are truly repentant about it. And, and you know this. like You know God will not be fooled. God will not be mocked. The people who, who just do whatever they want, and they ignore the commands of God, and they ignore the instructions of Scripture, and then they show up and they try to give lip service to God, you know that he's not fooled by it. Other people might be fooled by it, but God is never fooled by it. And Jesus is speaking here and he's talking about the blessing and the comfort that comes from the person who literally mourns their sins. They recognize what is true. And this is, this is the thing that I need you to hear about repentance. Repentance is just not working up the, oh, I know God says this is wrong, but I really think it's right and I enjoy doing it, but I'm gonna repent with my lip service when I do it. Repentance is the recognition that sin is destructive. That God is all wise. And when I go outside of his design, even if it just feels like it's fun, even if it just feels like it wouldn't affect anyone else, sin is destructive. It brings about death and destruction. And I recognize that when I step out of God's plan, that I am bringing destruction and pain into my life and into my relationships, and it breaks my heart and I mourn over my sin. That is what Jesus is talking about. This is the description of light. The person who looks at their sin in their life and they recognize this should not have a hold on me. This attitude, this reaction, this way of speaking, this addiction, it does not deserve a place in my life. And it breaks my heart that it's still here. And God says, you'll be comforted because I will work in your life. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are repentant over their sin. The next Beatitude, Beatitude 3, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now this flips things on its head because we, we see time after time, generation after generation, kingdom after kingdom, nation after nation, that, that it's the strong, it's the people who conquer, who take over, and that's what's generally understood. But what Jesus says in verse 5 in the third Beatitude is he says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And this is the description of meekness in a person. 
Meekness is rather the attitude of the soul, the attitude of the soul towards another when that other person is in a state of activity towards you and towards your soul. So this is the attitude that a son has towards a father when a father is correcting him. This is like, I have enough strength to kick back at you and avoid what you want to speak into my life, but I'm going to choose to listen. Meekness is on display when you're working for someone else and they give you instructions on how to do something differently than the way that you would normally do it, but you choose to listen to them because they're in a position of authority to you. And those same attitudes of how we respond to authority figures, if we say, I'm strong enough to rebel against you, we display those same attitudes towards God. And Jesus identifies the fact that there is a blessing that flows. There is a blessing that you feel. Your emotional state will be at a greater state of peace when you display meekness. When you say, I could fight against this. I could try to pave my own way, but I'm going to go God's way. And he, he extends it. The, the meek, they're going to be the ones who inherit the earth. You know, biblically, they're the ones who are going to be put in charge of cities. Those who are teachable. And that's the word that I would use to summarize the section. Teachable, willing to listen, strong enough to put your strength to the side so that you can grow and learn and be the person that God wants you to be. Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 is a familiar passage and it speaks to this principle when Jesus is teaching and he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. There is rest There is peace, there is blessing, there is benefit when you choose to say, I'm going to allow myself to be led and taught by my heavenly father. Beyond that, I want to tell you that within, within the church, within relationships that God sets around you in your life, I believe that he usually strategically places someone who should be acting as a mentor in your life. And you will choose whether you listen to that person as well. To, to be pastored, one of the easiest definitions to be pastored is to, to be known, loved, and challenged. And there's plenty of people who, who sit in front of the teaching of a pastor, but they won't allow themselves to be challenged, or they won't allow themselves to be known. And you know what? If, that, if I'm not that person in your life, I believe that God wants someone in your life who's going to speak God's truth to you even when it doesn't feel like love, even when it feels like pain, even when it feels like challenge. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. He continues on in the the fourth beatitude in verse six, and he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And so we start off of the poor in spirit, that humble mindset, and then that repentance of sin, those who mourn, that they'll be comforted. And those who are teachable, for they'll inherit the earth. Those who are meek. And he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Once again, I want to keep our eyes around the context of this. This is setting up the description of what it means to be light in our city. What it means to be light. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. He, he, this is the, the word that it used for being filled here is like to reach capacity. It's like, blessed are those who want a large pizza because they will eat the whole thing, all right? I mean, like that. the the description here, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, when, when your desire 
is to grow in your relationship with God where you begin to put the sinful things in your flesh to death. He says, I'm gonna give you the strength to walk that out. That that if you want righteousness, it will be satisfied in you because of what Jesus did on the cross and the power that he gave us through his resurrection, the work of his Holy Spirit, he will bring to satisfaction that desire that you have for righteousness. He will not leave you entrapped in addiction and pain and worry and stress. That is not where he's going to leave you. He's not going to leave you partially satisfied. That when you have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, it will be filled to the brim, overflowing. God will show up when you turn your heart and your desire. And the way that I would summarize this beatitude in one word, the person who's ready. If you're ready, If you're ready to see God work, if you're ready to move out of that addiction, God is gonna meet you right there. If you have that sense like, like I need this, like I'm ready to take a step. That's what it's saying when it says hunger and thirst. Like you have that desire that you wanna see this happen in your life. God is gonna meet you there and he's gonna fulfill that desire that you have. There was a couple lines of poetry that I came across when, it, when I was reading about this, and there's just really one line that kind of stuck out to me that I wanted to share with you guys. And it, sa- it says, ever filled and ever seeking what they have, they still desire. I think that, that, that that's a beautiful description of what it means to be someone who hungers and thirsts after righteousness. Ever filled and ever seeking what they have, they still desire. That God, God is fulfilling this desire for more of him but I still want more of him. And and though I have him, it's like I still desire more. I wanna still move towards more. And this is a great description of what it means to be light, that we have an authentic passion for growing in our faith and walking in the ways of Jesus. The fifth beatitude in verse seven, it says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I'm gonna say this, and this might sound harsh, um, and I'm gonna put this on the, on the screen. You, reser- you receive the mercy in heaven that you give to others on earth. You receive in heaven the mercy that you give to others on earth. And you might kick back and be like, well, I, I'm not, that sounds like works theology. Well, I won't say it. Then the book of James chapter two, verse 13 will say it. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Now look, I want to make sure that you get the sequencing of this right. You don't earn your salvation by being merciful. But being merciful to other people is an evidence of your salvation. When you make a decision to follow Jesus Christ and you authentically call on his name, you will be saved. But if you have authentically called on his name, you will authentically experience life change. You will authentically see the face in the person of Jesus across the face of those who are in need because you know that Jesus said, whatever you do for the least of these, it's like you did it unto me. And there will be countless people who reach that day of judgment. And this is what scripture tells us. And they will say, Jesus, when did we not provide for you when you had need? And he says, it's when you, did it, when you didn't do this for the least of these, so depart from my presence. And so one of the evidences that your faith is genuine is that when you see people who do not deserve compassion, let me reinforce that. 
When you see people who do not deserve your compassion, you feel compelled by the Spirit of God to be compassionate anyways. Because the mercy that you give to others will be reflected by the mercy that you receive from God. And we deserve no mercy from Him. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all guilty. But because of the grace of God, we have been forgiven. Because of the grace of God, we have been adopted into the family of God. And because of the grace of God, we can't help but extend mercy and kindness to those around us. This is the description of what it means to be light in your city. When you see a need, and believe me, man, I have done street ministry at Little Five Points in Atlanta. It's a tough place. And I am careful that I never want to enable an addiction that is destructive to someone else. And so I rarely just hand out cash, but my pastor taught me, he said, if you don't get taken advantage of every once in a while, then you're not being generous enough. But when I see someone and I just have the sense, I can't just give you cash, I will go get them a meal. I will go get a gift card that I know cannot be used for alcohol and tobacco and other destructive things to make sure that your family gets fed. I, I, I want us to err on the side of mercy and kindness because we have been instructed in Scripture that that same mercy that we, we send out, we see that again in heaven one day. And if you want a test of where you're at spiritually, if you want a test of how well you understand the love of God, look at the situations where people do not deserve compassion for you. And check your track record. Have you been compassionate? And this isn't about guilt. This is about recognition, about how to navigate the things ahead. When I see these situations, I'm going to look at them and I'm going to be like, you don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. I mean, my pastor, when he talks about this, he talks about when he gave $20 to somebody and, and he says, he, he does this regularly. He'll take that $20 bill and he'll hand it to him, but he won't let go of it for about 20 seconds. And he'll just look at him while they're trying to kind of pull it out of his hand and then he'll let it go. Just kind of as a little thing, and he takes that time to tell him, I'm doing this because of the love and mercy of God. This isn't about me. This is about him. Mercy should move through his people. Continuing into verse 8, the sixth beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. This passage is reflected in Psalm 23 verses three through four who at, in, in Psalms it asks, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in the holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God. This is someone who is genuinely trying. The, the light of this passage, the pure in heart, because scripturally we know there is not anyone who can just be pure of heart on their own. Like we all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God, but we can be people who are just genuinely trying. And like I said before, God is not fooled. God is not mocked. And he knows when your heart is in something. The people in your family, they probably can tell you when your heart is in something. If you're staying up late wrapping presents on Christmas Eve, by about 11 o'clock, your heart is no longer in wrapping those presents anymore. Like, I, I get it. Like, we know when the excitement is there and when the excitement is not there. 
And blessed are, are the pure in heart, for they will see God. When your heart is genuinely seeking after God, even though everything in your mind and your heart is not perfect, even though you still have faults, even though you lose your cool sometimes, God sees when you are genuinely seeking after him. And the result of the person whose heart is genuinely seeking after God is that you'll get to see him. You'll get to see him show up. You'll get to see his hand at work. You'll get to see him working in your life. And the way that I would summarize this is the person who's striving. Because we're we're never perfect, but we can be someone who is striving and trying to live this life for God with all of our strength, all of our heart, all of our mind. And it's contrasted by the person who just has impure motives. Like we've seen that as well. The person who just does lip service. We're talking about the person who has a genuine striving for God. In Beatitude 7 in verse 9, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemaker, not the gun, like the person, all right? E- either way, the, the, the result might be you know, less fighting, but I want to be clear what we're talking about here. I can't think of a time in my lifetime where we have needed peacemakers more than right now. Not argument winners, not point makers, not people who embarrass someone else. Peacemakers. Because it's so easy to be offended and it's so easy to be hurt right now, isn't it? I was in Dunkin' Donuts, um, Del Prado and Pine Island. It's, it's, a, it's one that I frequent there. It's actually where I officed out of for like the first three years of our church. You don't know how many Gulfside messages were written from inside Dunkin' Donuts. I'm in the drive-thru. And if you've ever been in the drive-thru, like it's a pretty narrow drive-thru. And I, like my car door has like this much space between the window and, 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 my, and my vehicle. And as I put my window down, and I'm, you know, letting him scan my phone for my order. This older gentleman, probably in his mid-60s, pretty overweight, bald, gets out of his car, and as he gets out, another car with a young black gentleman pulled up next to it, and they immediately started shouting at each other. And, like, profanities were flying. Um, Words that are not to be said started flying between both of them. And both me and... Now, like the eight Duncan employees who are watching the show from the window are just sitting there and like, honestly, I thought there was about to be like a fight between a 25-year-old and like a 60-something-year-old, which isn't a very good situation. Um, and I'm literally trying to like crawl out of the door of my car because for better or for worse, I, I believe a, as a man, I'm called to like step in and try to help like broker peace. Um, it drives my wife crazy when I do this. But you'd be surprised how, how quickly like cursing and yelling at each other will stop. You're like, all right, Pastor Paul is here. They don't even know me. Like, like, but they know that they probably shouldn't hit a pastor. Like I, and I will throw that out. And I'll be like, hey, guys, like, um, be the bigger person. I've had to do this at Publix by Kismet and Del Prado before. Like, I mean, wherever we go, like, we see arguments and we see fights. And the question is, are we going to be people who watch the show or people who encourage peace? And I believe that that should happen in person. I believe it should happen with your online profile as well, that you should be saying, one of the ways that we're light in our world is that we are peacemakers. 
And just so you know, like after they were done, they yelled a little bit, they stayed by their cars, and then I believe the younger man actually exhibited the most maturity, and he got in his car and he drove off. But the thing is, I just think, I think it's so easy to just spectate. It's not my problem. This is our city. These are our neighborhoods. These are our relatives and our friends on our Facebook profile. And rather than just making a point, rather than getting a life, I believe that biblically we are called to be people who promote peace where there is difficulty. And, and you know, the, the real simple single thought is just peacemaker. One of the ways that we're light is that we're a peacemaker. And I understand I have two minutes and I've got a few more, so I'm going to go fast here. All right. Um, Blessed are those who were persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. These are the people who are committed. That when things get difficult, when criticisms come because of their faith. Now, I also want to clarify, this isn't saying blessed are those who were persecuted because of their stupidity, because of their big mouth. It's not saying that. All right. It's saying because of righteousness. When you're doing what's right and you experience difficulty, God says there's blessing on the other side of it. This is the committed person who understands what Matthew 13, is saying when it says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again, sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. A recognition, it doesn't matter what it costs me, I have to have this. It's worth far passes anything that my life has. And so if I experience difficulty because of righteousness sake, I understand I will be, be, be repaid a thousand times more in the kingdom of God. And so I can trust him. The next one is, is similar in verse 11, Beatitude 9. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. I'd summarize this as resilient. This is the person who says, God, I am taking the check. I am signing the check. I am not dating it. I am not putting an amount. I don't care what it costs me. Anything that you want from me, God, it's yours. The check is signed. Like criticisms, I don't care. People doubting me, I don't care. People mocking me, I don't care. I am committed to seeing what you want happen in my life. And then Jesus says that when you live this way, Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The people that God used in tremendous ways, they all experienced difficulty. Do not expect it to always be easy, but do expect it to be filled with reward from heaven, blessing from heaven, hope that is only found in the kingdom of God. And then he begins to give these descriptions and in verse 13, he says, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled. He's describing us. You are meant that when you're in this world to stand out like the difference between French fries that have been salted and haven't salted. Some of you have lost your sanctification in a minute when you got food from a restaurant that did not have salt on it. Because you know salt makes a difference. And if someone put salt on there that did not taste salty, you would send the whole thing back. It it needs something different. Jesus gives another picture to go alongside salt. And band, you guys can come out. I'm going to begin to wrap this thing up. And if we can bring the house lights down as I I finish this up, I, I would appreciate that. And he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. We are called 
to be light. Are the lights working? Yes, no, no. Yeah, they're trying. I appreciate it. We're called to be light. And, and as you know, light, it, it stands out in the darkness. If the stages can go down, bring it as dark as we can possibly go. There you go. And a lot of Christians, I believe, have been like, okay, these are the things that God calls me to do. Like I'm supposed to hunger and thirst out of righteousness. And they try to like, go to the black, black slide for me, uh, if we have anyone at the projector. Bree's doing both jobs today. All right, there we go. And it's like, we have this light and it's like, we feel like, okay, I have to work up the strength. I have to work up the courage. I have to like, I, I just have to keep trying harder, doing more. And it has to be about my strength because if I'm going to honor God, like the light that comes out of me is going to be like this. And the minute that I stop, it's going to start to fade. And it's going to start to not be enough and it's like there's that mentality that it's about me and what I do and the work and the effort that I put in. And, and that, that's one way. But I'm going to tell you, like, the other way is, is like Christmas lights. And the, the interesting thing about Christmas lights or any of these lights is that when we plug it in, power moves through it just from a touch. Like, like when, when this metal connects to the other metal in the plug, Through one simple touch, light comes in that is not powered from what's happening on the cord the way that it, it is on the flashlight, but it's flowing from a different source. And in order for us to be light, in order for us to be light that shines in the darkness, it's not about striving, striving, work, work, earn, earn. It's about being so close to Jesus that you can't help but experience his power moving through you and lighting up the world around you. Being so close that, that I, I see people differently because this morning I've spent time with Jesus and, and he breaks my heart for the hurting. For the person who does not deserve help because they have been trapped in addiction for 10 years, they don't deserve anything, but my heart breaks for them because God's heart breaks for them. And when people insult me, like it, it doesn't bother me because I, I'm so close to Jesus, I care more about what he thinks than what they think, so it's not going to pull me away from what I'm called to do. When, when I fall back into sin, it breaks my heart, and I am poor in spirit because I've been so close to Jesus that I see it how he sees it, and his power and his perspective moves through me and changes the way that I live. And so all of these... It, the beautiful picture of the Christmas lights that we see. Jesus is the light of the world, and now that light lives through his church. It lives through you. You are the light of the world. And what it means to be the light of the world is described in the Beatitudes. But living the Beatitudes out is achieved by being close to Jesus. And the, the purpose of Christmas the joy of Christmas is that God so loved the world that he gave a gift. He gave his one and only son so whoever believes will not perish but will have eternal life. And that eternal life, it starts now. It brings life back into broken and dead places, broken and dead relationships, 
but it starts at that moment of belief where you say, God, I trust you. I trust you for eternity and I trust you for today and I trust you for tomorrow. I trust you for my relationships. I trust you for my workplace. I give it all to your hands. So church, I want to encourage you and I want to invite you. You you are called to be the light of the world. But that light is powered by a connection to Jesus Christ. How is your relationship with him? Maybe today you need to just get started and this is step number one. Maybe you need to recognize it's not about what I can do on my own, but it's about walking with him closely. And, And he calls you right back home. No guilt, no shame. Welcome home, daughter. Welcome home, son. I'm so glad that you're back. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those with us today or those listening wherever they are, that if they have a sense that they need to get close to you again, that if they need to set priorities back where they're supposed to be and putting you in that number one spot in their life, that you would give them the strength and the courage to make that decision today. And we know that you will meet us right there. So Father, we believe and we confess with our mouth that Jesus, you are Lord, that that you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to give us new life. And we celebrate that gift of new life today. And as we experience that, help us to walk closely with you so we can be light to this city and this world that desperately needs it. In Jesus' name.